Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're coming at you from the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is prolific author Thomas Malafarina. But today we're going to be talking about his cartoon books, Yes, I Smelled It Too, Volumes 1, 2, 3, and 4, Cartoons for the Somewhat Off-Center. If you ever wondered what would happen if an author of graphically violent horror stories also drew cartoons, not many people would have this particular wonder, but if you ever did, then you're about to have your curiosity satisfied. Thomas M. Malafarina, author of horror, also enjoys creating single-panel cartoons of a strange and bizarre nature. Not for the typical daily newspaper cartoon reader, but for those with a special, more discerning and macabre sense of humor. Actually, he creates his own Christmas holiday cards, which he sends on to a few of his closest friends. Most of them wait with anticipation, wondering just how far he will push the envelope of less-than-good taste each year. Yes, I Smelled It Too is a collection of some of Thomas's favorite cartoons that he has drawn through the years. Some are strange, some are violent, some are ironic, and some are just plain bizarre. But some of them will have you rolling on the floor with laughter. Who says horror can't be funny? Thomas M. Malafrina is a horror fiction author from Berks County, Pennsylvania, but grew up in Ashland in adjacent Schuylkill County. Many of Thomas's stories take place in his native Schuylkill County as well as Berks County settings. To date, he has published eight horror novels. He's also published ten collections of short stories and has appeared in over 200 anthologies and e-magazines. Thomas has shared anthology pages with some of the biggest names in horror fiction, such as Jack Ketchum, Joe Lansdale, Jonathan Mayberry, and Lucky McKee, to name a few. Thomas is best known for the twists and surprises in his stories, as well as his descriptive and often gory passages. Thomas is also an artist, musician, singer, and songwriter. Thomas, welcome. Welcome. Thanks. Happy to be here. Wow, I could have talked about you for hours, just just <laughs> listing what you've done. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know who this guy is, but hey, I'm impressed with him. <laughs> and I have to say, when I was reading the bit about you sending Christmas cards to your closest friends, having received a few of them, I thought, oh, gee, am I one of Thomas's closest friends? There you go. <laughs> That's kind of a scary <laughs> thought. How many people are close friends to a horror author? <laughs> not too many i think the list is about uh, 40 to 50 people yeah. yeah that's pretty good yeah i wonder if stephen king has such a list <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah and if stephen king drew cartoons well i wonder what they would be but um anyway we're talking about you so tell me uh these cartoons when did you start first start drawing cartoons oh my gosh uh long time ago probably now not the ones that are published here but I actually, one of the first things I ever did uh, cartoon-wise was as a kid, you know, maybe uh, I want to say seven, eight years old, I would uh, copy Peanuts cartoons and, you know, learn to draw Snoopy and, and, and Charlie Brown and figure out all those little nuances. I mean, they're very simple cartoons, but they have some interesting little features that, that make them special. And I, I learned how to copy those. And then, uh, of course, one of my favorite magazines was Mad Magazine. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so then I would uh, copy Don Martin and uh, Sergio Aragonis and all these guys who 
I uh, really like their styles, and I would uh, learn how to do their style. And uh, then eventually, oh, and then later, of course, uh, uh, Gan Gan Wilson. He was uh, one of my favorites too. Very strange cartoons, very detailed. Um, and then I just uh, started developing my own style, which is kind of, you know, a mess of everybody else's and my own thrown in because you can't really draw exactly like somebody else, even if if you try. So you have to develop your own style, which I did. Um, and actually, when you go through the uh, different books and and look at them, you'll say, wait a minute, this this one has some detail to it. And this one's very simple. So it depends what mood I'm in. You know, sometimes I can do it with a few short lines and other times I want to put detail in. Sometimes I'll add some shading. Sometimes there won't be any shading. It's largely, largely a matter of my mood and how I feel. Yeah. You know, it's just the way it is kind of being a, yeah, a blues musician too. It's being a musician is all guts. You know, it's all your feel. And that's how cartooning is. And my writing is for me. It's a, a matter of how do I feel at the moment? Well, I, the thing about the cartoons is I, I actually laugh at them all. And then I think, well, Tom and I, we're, we both have similar senses of humor, probably grew up with a lot of the same stuff. Like you said, Mad Magazine, National Lampoon, yeah. sneaking peeks at, you know, the cartoons and the Playboys and penthouses, right? Not, not oh, the yeah. centerfolds, the cartoons. Oh, strictly, yeah. strictly the cartoons, cartoons were the best part, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah Occasionally sure. an article. But yeah, no. yeah. Well, the articles were good too. <laughs> <laughs> if you could pull the pages apart that were stuck together. That's All true. right. <laughs> so uh, I know with your cartoons, and for those listening, there there are four books of them now, and they're mm-hmm. reasonably priced at only nine ninety nine each. But uh, yeah, uh, you have some running series through these. Maybe you could talk about a few of those. So I, I know you have these one off cartoons. Sometimes you reuse the same imagery, but put hilariously different, uh, you know, text. Yeah, in. that's some. That's something I like to do. Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's a couple things. We'll address the first one with the uh, one of the things I like to do. It's not because I'm lazy, although I can't been somewhat lazy, but that's not why. It's just uh, a lot of times I like to take if I if I draw a cartoon and it has a certain feel that I like, I will take that and I will use it multiple times with different different topics, different uh comments and things like that because one cartoon might spur a whole bunch of different ideas and and so i do that that's one of the things i like to do you probably notice that there's one with a uh, a worker and his boss in a corporate setting i've got we've all been in that situation on either side of the desk yeah (laughs) (laughs) i must have done 20 of those just because uh just because i enjoy it in fact uh, i'm working on volume five right now and i'm using that again uh and just even though it's not finished, I'll just tell you this toward the end, at, at the very end, I take that that same cartoon and and have a comment where the guy behind the desk, the boss says, do you think anybody noticed that in the last four volumes, this is the exact same cartoon, which is different words. And the <laughs> other guy says, the other guy says, yeah, well, occasionally he does change the word bubbles style. <laughs> and he said, well, there is that. <laughs> you know, so, See if so, anybody's yeah, paying I, attention. I do that on, yeah. I do that on purpose. Uh, and then the other thing is I, I, most of them are single panel, but recently I was doing some work for Screaming Eye Press. They have a, a magazine called Twisted Pulp, 
and uh, one of the guys there was sending me scripts uh, and asking me to illustrate them for him, which I did. And in doing so, I got motivated to create a character. And so I did several, I think I did for them maybe three uh, multi-panel cartoons with this character in it. And uh, then uh, I've done more since then that haven't appeared in a magazine. They're just mine. And so I've done that. And then uh, some other, there's probably three different series that I've done um, multiple panel cartoons that just things that motivated me. So t- tell um, us about the series. I'm trying to remember the okay. names of them. Yeah, the first one. The first one was originally the the series in Screaming I Press and Twist of Pulp was called uh, Janitor Joe, and he is a uh, he was created as a uh, interstellar space janitor who goes from place to place, you know, cleaning and having adventures. And I, I you know, I I didn't write any of that. That was all written by them, and I just basically illustrated them for okay. for them. But it motivated me, and I thought, I have an idea for another character that I can spin off, kind of like a TV show, a spinoff where Janitor Joe gets a new commander, and the commander's name is Major Morningwood. <laughs> and, of course, Major Morningwood has a condition that he's unaware of, <laughs> uh, but he walks around with a pup tent in his pants all the time, mm-hmm. and everybody notices it but him. And he, he Let me guess, his old- first name is Richard. Uh, he, yeah, I believe it. Let me see. I don't even remember him. It's. I have to look at it again because I've I've I, I've done so many of the episodes. But yes, there's a whole bunch. Every there's a lot of those jokes through the whole thing. And the the thing is, he he when he talks, he has a habit of everything he does is sexual innuendo. Everything mm-hmm. he says is sexual, but he doesn't know it. He's completely aware of it. And when people question him on it he goes like what he doesn't understand he doesn't know he's got you know a pup tent doesn't know he talks like this and uh it's kind of evolved it started out with janitor joe and him and now it's evolved where i took the idea from that mystery science theater what's that called something science where the guys are silhouetted in yeah, the bottom that's it watching them. yeah i do four silhouettes in the bottom of his workers and they all make snide comments while he's doing presentations. And, <laughs> and that's pretty much how that thing goes. Um, and I've done a bunch of those. And uh, Well, then, Tom, yeah, I'm going to have to stop you there. We're going to just take a break while we're still contemplating Major Morningwood. There you go. <laughs> and we'll be right back after we take care of that. Sunbury Press Books opens the door to Pennsylvania Dutch and German history with our imprint, Distal Fink Press. Find out about the lives of figures in early American history through the Muhlenbergs of Pennsylvania, or Conrad Weiser, Friend of Colonist and Mohawk by Paul A. Wallace, Joseph G. Rosengardens, The German Soldier in the Wars of the United States, or The Indians of Berks County by D.B. Bruner. Check out the wide variety of available works, both fiction and nonfiction, at sunburypress.com. We're back with Thomas Malavarina, and now we're going to shift from Morningwood to Jimmy and Squish and Buttonface. <laughs> Maybe where did these ideas come from? My warped mind. Um, Jimmy and Squish was actually something I did back in my 20s. I did a couple little episodes and just kind of sat on them, you know, for like 40 years because the world wasn't ready for it yet. Well, wait, um, no, 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 Jimmy's the guy and Squish Jimmy is the, is a, a is the dead dog that's been run over yeah. by a car? Yeah, what okay. happens is Jimmy. Jimmy's a, a lonely little boy. I actually started that out as a, 
a twist of children's story, but uh, changed it. Yeah, Jimmy's a lonely little boy, and his parents won't let him have a dog. And one day he's walking down the street, and he sees this little puppy sleeping by the side of the road, which uh. is actually a roadkill dog that's been killed, and his guts are hanging out. Oh, Tom, you're sick. All over him. Yeah, and he, you know, I mean, he stinks, and there's flies all over him. So he's dragging but his thing around the street. Thinking, he loves it. He okay. picks him up and says, "I'm going to love you forever. You're my little puppy." He even builds him a doghouse out in the woods because his parents won't let him have one, and his parents are both drunks, and you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty much a downer. And uh, boy, that sounds so like a country song. I drag yes. my dead dog, and yeah, okay. Oh yeah. So there's different episodes, and and. You know, it's I got to take it over the top from time to time, where its intestines flop around and blood's flying all over the oh. place. It's really cool. I enjoy it. So that was Jimmy and Squish. And then uh, there's another one that uh, I do. Um, I mean, if that's enough Jimmy and Squish for you. <laughs> Please, probably yes. Is. Yes, let's move on. <laughs> then the, yeah, there's another one, uh, Buttonface. Uh, Clyde Barker had a character in, in one of his movies books and movies which i didn't know about at the time uh, a guy at twisted pulp asked me he showed me a quick image of this button face that he had sketched and i came up with my own character and then i he had this idea he said i thought it'd be cool if button face was a uh, guidance counselor at a school and that's all he told me so of course the wheels got turning mm -hmm. and i did this character button face with apologies to clive barker and uh, he basically cons his way into a job as a guidance counselor and as all these kids come in to talk to him uh there's a running joke through the whole thing where people come in and say uh oh mr buttonface and he said no 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 he said it's it's spelled buttonface but it's pronounced boot and fossey so you know that's a joke in everyone uh and the kids come in with their problems and he just he's awful i mean he's a he's a sarcastic character he uh mm -hmm. He's nasty. He he gives them bad advice, uh, and it it touches on a lot of you know teenage topics that really should be taken seriously. But he he just makes fun of everything. So, so Thomas, I, I have to ask you, just how was your childhood? Wonderful. <laughs> After all this, <laughs> well, actually, I didn't uh, didn't have had a wonderful childhood. And uh, speaking of guidance counselors, uh, one, I only remember one guidance counselor I had in seventh grade. He, he had just started. And by the way, he is an author, too, who wrote mm -hmm. a book about the uh, um, Dr. Spencer in Ashland, the abortionist. He wrote a book about that. But when he came to our school as my guidance counselor, one of the first things he did is talk to all the kids. And I'll never forget this. I was about seventh grade. And he, he asked me, he said, uh, well, um, do you like girls? And I remember saying to him, I guess that, you know, back then they did that. But I said, well, I don't throw rocks at him or nothing. That was my response. <laughs> well, my guidance counselor, he uh, used to pull in in a Corvette every day. And oh. uh, so, yeah, I had a few sessions cool with him. Yeah, yeah, but I went in to talk to him. And uh, yeah, he'd say, so what do you want to be when you grow up? Lawrence, I said, I want to be a baseball player. And he was oh, like, yeah. I said, well, you've got the grades to be anything you want to be. And he provided absolutely no guidance for me except to say the right. world is my oyster. You know, you could be anything. And it's like – and I, it would have been better off if he would have said go in the military or go into engineering or – Sure, you know, yeah. sure. If I, he would have asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I probably would have said 85 because <laughs> yeah. I'm still working on that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll move on here from these cartoon sure. books as sick and funny as they are to uh, – 
you, you have a couple running series of novels. Uh, yeah. Now, we have a few minutes here, maybe five minutes or so. We can cover those. Just give us a quick sure. overview of the Ridge of Death and then the uh, Death Burning yeah, Jones a, and so on. Yeah, there's a Dead Kill series, which uh, consists of the Ridge of Death, the uh, um, Ridge of Change, and the Ridge of War. There's three of them, and that's basically a zombie series. Uh, takes place uh, in 2050 or something like that, uh, 10 years after the apocalypse. And uh, zombies have pretty much been killed off. Uh, they're still around like deer in the woods. They're a nuisance, but they're a, you know, a dangerous nuisance. Um, but the the people that survive live in cities uh, that are protected and walled. And the suburbs where we like to live has become like a no man's land. It's called the outlands where zombies and uh, rogue tribes of uh, motorcycle types and, you know, live and just kind of deteriorate and live off the land and have no medical and have nothing like that and anyway that's a that's the premise of it and then different things occur and uh, our hero unfortunately is a uh, 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 J- jackson ridge is his name and he that's where the ridge comes from mm-hmm. and he's a he's a investigative reporter and uh, unfortunately he finds himself in all kinds of dangerous situations without even trying he's he's in a hero, but he's not a hero. <laughs> you know, he's like an under hero. He doesn't want to be one. Uh, and that's, that's pretty, you know, that's the series pretty much. Uh, and then there was a character in the, I believe, third book or second book called Deathbringer Jones. And uh, I did a spinoff of him, Deathbringer Jones, Zombie Slayer, uh, which I think I only have one of those. Yeah. And uh, what else? Well, you've got some other full-length novels. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know. I had a bunch of those. Yeah, I mean, I have... Uh, um, sorry. What Circle, of Blood, Circle yeah. of Blood, which is, is a ghost-type novel. Uh, Burner, which is a, uh, a novel about a possessed cell phone. Um, and is it an Apple product? I'm sorry. <laughs> is it an Apple product or is it, uh, it Samsung? <laughs> yeah, it should be. Uh, but yeah, I've done a number. It's funny because a lot of times when people talk to me on book signings and they'll ask me about a story or a book, I'll say, I don't know. I don't remember because once I finish writing something, I pretty much am finished with it and move on to the next thing because it's, you know, when I go back and do a second in the series, I got to go back and read the first because in between the first and second, I've, done a bunch of stuff you know <laughs> it's like how do you remember all this it's impossible you can't write over 200 short stories and remember them all yeah, right. and then remember the novels it well, just one, doesn't happen one novel that you did a little while ago and that we ended up renaming and republishing the, the one that is tammy's favorite tammy my wife from ah. the from the dark from the dark, yes that that one. Well, it's kind of her favorite, but kind of not her favorite. Right, she, she doesn't hate. She it wants too. you, yeah. She wants she you wants to explain some more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was just one that remember I said I write depending upon what mood I'm in, and that was a pretty dark one. Uh, and it's basically, uh, you know, a guy who wakes up or finds himself possibly in a coma. He could be in a coma. He could be dead. Uh, you don't know. He comes. He appears to come awake and then back asleep again, and different things happen depending on where he is. And uh, it gets pretty gory. It's very depressing. And you don't really know. 
what yeah. the situation is. Yeah, we don't want to spoil and it I deliberately, for anybody. deliberately did that, yeah. Yes, well, you've done an excellent job there. We're talking to <laughs> talking to Tom Malafarina. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of independent, diverse authors. Hearth and Home Press brings you When I Listen to a Farmer by Pete Curran, a book of photos and stories from American farmers. Also check out Fly Fishing for Trout and Bass, a beginner's quick guide by Charles F. Johnson, and At Home, 92 home-based activities to keep adults and children busy, sane, and centered by Prudence Ingerman. Find these and other intriguing works at sunburypress.com. We're back with Tom Malafarina. Tom, let's uh, let's shift to short stories. You are a master of the short story. You've written, <laughs> I don't know how many of them, probably hundreds, right? Uh, yeah, over over two hundred, but I I don't know because they keep coming. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because any one of them could evolve into a you know a novel or a novella if right. I felt like taking the time. <laughs> but what happens is I get so darn many ideas, I want to get them down on paper. So and and just like my novels, I start writing them with the the premise. It's not not a beginning, middle and end. It's just an idea. Sometimes it's a scene, sometimes it's a character, sometimes it's an idea. And I just go and see where it goes. Sometimes it's thousand words. Sometimes it's five thousand words. The idea is to get get it down, get it on paper, and uh, that's what I do. And yeah, they just I, keep coming. I I liken them to Creep Show, Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock, and then yep. and then you know H.P. Lovecraft too. Sometimes. So there. I, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I actually. When I'm writing one of those stories, it's like I'm seeing it for the first time. And when I'm seeing it, I'm seeing Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, One Step Beyond. Yeah. You know, I'm seeing those little vignettes that they had on TV. And, and actually, any of my stories, if a series came along that needed short stories to to turn into those sort of things, I've, they're perfect for them because that's what I think of when I'm doing them. Well, one of my favorites, going way, way back now, we, we started out, I think our first book with you was 13 Nasty Endings, which we then right. changed to 13 Deadly Endings. Correct. And uh, it's basically 13 Really Bad Ways to Die. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> but the, the one about bacon, I see, I'm oh, testing yeah, your memory here to see if you remember that story. <laughs> yeah, that's your favorite one. Yes, and, and that has stuck that with was... me because I like bacon, but I, I <laughs> yeah. think twice about it now. <laughs> yeah, that was that was inspired by me because uh, I love breakfast. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, when if we're vacationing somewhere uh, and everybody says, well, how was your trip? You're, I'm going to tell you how breakfast was because that's what I remember most. Uh, and so that's what this thing evolved around. Uh, became a guy who loved breakfast, bacon, eggs, you know, sausage, mm-hmm. hash browns, all that stuff, just like me. And uh, he basically turns breakfast into a religious experience for him. And he's on on the road and goes to a place and he heard, hears about Bob's Bacon Barn, uh, which is supposed to be one of the best breakfast places. And he goes in there and he is just completely blown away by how fantastic the bacon is Mm -hmm. as he's going in the restaurant there's this gigantic stuffed sow uh prize sow that was uh uh, taxidermist took care of and you know stuffed him and put him in the lobby and uh yeah i mean he he's amazed by this and he gets the uh 
the owner of the restaurant to uh, take him back and show him some of his prize uh, sows that he has. He has a butcher shop and a slaughterhouse behind a restaurant. And uh, I'm not going to give away the ending, but uh, it doesn't end well for him. Well, it's a whole new whole new thing on making bacon, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a whole new thing. Yeah, a special feed that he has. Yes, and I would say, you know, it, your scientific research on this, actually, when you discovered that that pigs are omnivorous and not, not just vegetarians, uh, yeah. really, really helps with your, your story, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, pig, pigs will eat just about anything, won't they? <laughs> yep. Yeah, they will. They will. Well, uh, I know we we sort of did a bunch of like one-off short story books. I know you've also yeah. edited collections for us, but yeah. Yeah. but really yeah. the uh, the meat of this is in your Malformed Realities series of short stories, which I think we're we've done six now, right? And we're up. Yeah, to... Yeah, we've done six, and you have. Uh, seven and eight in your uh, queue. Wow. And and I have nine in the works. <laughs> because every time I get inspired, I do a short story and I throw it in there. Well, let, let's talk I'm about doing. that. We have a few more minutes left. I, yeah. I'm real curious, like, where do these stories come from? You have hundreds of wicked little ideas. I mean, yeah. how, how do you, I go out for a walk and I get inspired in something positive, like some good deed I'm going to do today, <laughs> something nice I'm going to say to my mother, so, you yeah. know, I'm going to go help someone cross the street. You obviously think, you know, how are, how's bacon made or. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so you didn't, you didn't grow up next to Centralia. So no, you're right. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I, um, I don't know. They just show up. I mean, I, I'm a very positive person. I'm, people look at my house and they say, that's a normal house. It's like they think I'm going to live in a, a crypt or something somewhere, you know. But the Malafarina family. Da, da, yeah, da, da. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, uh -huh. I uh, they just show up. And I think I think the key is uh, when I was a kid, little kid, I loved horror, but I was terrified of horror at the same time. Mm -hmm. I had monster models, all the universal monster models and, and posters all over my bedroom, but I slept with the covers up over my head. We've had this love-hate relationship, you know, forever. So I think in order to write horror, you have to be scared. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, I was pretty much scared of everything. You know, I remember being in the back of a car at night and heading up over uh, a hill with my dad driving, and I could see the, the coal mountain in the background. And I just imagined, you know, like this giant reptilicus-type creature coming up over the top of the mountain to get me. And that's how my mind always worked. So all I did is just take those ideas and put well, them in the story. Well, Thomas, I, I remember having nightmares if I had too much sugar before bed. Was, was that something you did a lot of, like, <laughs> Oreos before you went to sleep or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, just – and that's the other thing, nightmares. I do, I do remember my nightmares, and I have a lot of those. But, uh, you know, a lot of times if you're in a situation, if you just think – if your mind just heads to the darker side just about any situation – could be scary. Walking out to the mailbox could turn bad. I'd done that in one of my stories. You know, something as simple as that. It's not uh, just a letter from the IRS. It's, yeah. Okay. It's, you know, I mean, I don't know. I just, it's just the way my mind goes, you know, and I, I instead, like one of my slogans when I sign my books, I'll say, embrace the fear at the bottom, because that's kind of been my, my motto instead of, and now I'm not afraid of really anything. But it was like instead of being afraid of stuff, I embraced the fear and turned it into stories and uh, scared the pants off somebody else. 
Well, Thomas, it has been great talking to you. We've embraced the fear here long enough, I think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Listen. Thank uh, you. Yes. Look forward to your next books and uh, having you back for another conversation. Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts.